You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Thursday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Seton, of course, is on the road to Los Angeles. Marvin is sitting in the front row with Pauly. Fritzy in the back row with all of his friends. You can be part of the program, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. I started out my morning by being flipped off by a driver. Double birds. And I was thinking, okay, the car was in front of me at the light. The light was green. One second, two seconds, three seconds. Beep, beep. Double bird. And I thought, you know what? This is a teaching moment here. Maybe, maybe this is something that, with the help of Elon Musk, maybe I can contribute something to society today. It's rare, but maybe. How about, can you make a horn on your car that is a polite horn? As if to say, hey, green light. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. So instead of the, it's a, that's, that's all. Because I thought, you know what? I didn't mean, I wasn't blasting on the horn, but you know, you start your day. Then I spilled my Starbucks coffee on me. That's how I started my day. Ah. But every day's the Super Bowl in here, and I have to come in and I have to, you know, plow forward, move forward. Can't, you know, dwell on the past. But I thought, okay, it's my mistake with the coffee. And I got double birded by somebody this morning. And I thought, okay, maybe just a polite horn. You can have the regular one, or you could have just a really nice one just to say, hey, Jimmy Lipper, green light. <laughs> Yeah, Paul. Dan, we have some questions on horn etiquette. As okay. a journalist, I'd like to ask you. Okay. The car is in front of you at the green light. Yeah. You're the second position. Yes. The car pauses. How many seconds Three. were you? I, I, I even counted. Three seconds. Okay. And during the morning commute, people are in a hurry, which is fair. Yes. Now, did you one pump the horn? Did you two pump the horn? Or did you pump and hold the horn? No, 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 no. No pump and hold. It was just a... Like a... Like but a, it, but boop, it sounded loud. Like a little tap tap. Yes. That's, that is standard procedure acceptable because if you hold the horn, it has a more, much more aggressive note. It was the volume. Mm -hmm. See, that's the problem. I think when you hear the horn, you're like, okay. Or it's a, ee, ee, and you're like, oh, okay. And I, I, I'd like to come up with a, hey, okay. One, one more question. The person who double birded you, yeah. what type of car was it? Did it look like a big person, mm. man or woman? It was a man. And uh, he was in a, looked like a SUV type, I don't know. Nothing aggressive, lift kit, no big wheels. No, 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 nothing like that. Because then I, I wouldn't have hit the horn. Right. I would, have, I would have gone out, got out of my car and gone up and say, excuse me, it's a green light. Maybe you need to go through that. Yes, yes, Todd. But you're not the road rage type. You didn't feel a need to pull up next to him or whatever. You don't know what people are carrying. You hear these horrible stories. People are shooting each other because they're all angry on the road. You kind of kind of just, you know what? He gave me the double bird. I'm going to put my life on the line over this cycle. I, I, I actually laughed when I got the double bird. I thought, oh, okay. And then I thought, you know what? You know, I, if I could have done it in a more polite way, I would have done it. So this gentleman took both hands off the wheel, went over the shoulder yes. double bird. Why he wasn't moving. Wow. So he double birded me, and uh, and I could see it through the rear view, you know, you know, his back window that he was double birding me. And then I thought, okay, it's all right. And I thought maybe maybe I could come up with a horn. And if he's listening right now, hey, you know, I was the guy behind you, and I'm trying to be better, and you need to be better as well. And when the light is green, 
It's what I wanted to do. So you're suggesting on the new cars for 2023, have an aggressive Everyone. horn choice yeah. and a polite horn choice. Yes. Right. Yeah. Maybe just something on the, I don't know. You can get some of these fancy car designers. Maybe I'll talk to Mercedes, see if they have a polite, I'll even be the voice. Move, please. <laughs> Excuse me. That's all. Yes, Tony. The worst thing, though, is if it's a long red light and the person in front of you is distracted and finally they turn and you're stuck <laughs> at the red light there at, at yellow. All of a sudden they're yes. making the slow turn and then you're stuck there for another 10 minutes. Yes, Paul. I once had a situation. This is pretty bad. I'll admit it since you're admitting it. You know when it says no turn on red, you, you're not supposed to turn on red. I think that's why they put that up there. Yeah. And I was sitting there once and there's a guy behind me and he's beeping at me like five. Bum, bum, bum. And I look up and I point to the no turn on red sign. And uh, he's going, burp, burp, burp. So I put my car in park, and I just sat there. And there was no way for him around me. And I, I had all the time in the world. I had a leisurely afternoon planned. It made him way, way more upset. Yes, Todd. Speaking of traffic, do you ever feel a need? I've done this, and I got some bad results. Do you ever block that side lane where people try to cut you? Yeah. You're in the right lane, and you're trying to get off the exit, and everyone's just fl- going to that, that little right area where you're only supposed to, if you're breaking down, do, go? Do you do that? I have done that. Okay. I've, I've navigated, so I'm like half blocking it because I'm sick of all these people cutting me and making it take another half hour just to get up the exit, which is literally 400 feet in front of you. I've done it. I've tried to get off when I know that the exit is there and, you know, have that whatever the emergency lane there. I've tried to do that. And then there's always the guy who starts to creep over a little bit and then you just stop and then you have to wait for them to move and then you get off the exit. But we're getting off track. This is just about a polite horn. It's a good story, though. It's a, it's a polite horn, double bird. Maybe it's going to... When somebody says, how did you come up with the polite horn? Well, it's an interesting story. I got double birded uh, one morning. Yes, Paul. But you know what would have happened, to put a bow on this. The guy would have got out of his car, walked up to your car, started like getting in your face and going, hey, Dan Patrick from Sports Center, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. All righty. Welcome to the program. As you can tell, already in progress here. Uh, we'll hear from Seton. I think he's in Texas. He's going to be in Texas the whole day. He's leaving Houston this morning. Hugh Town, as Todd calls it. Some call it H Town. Todd calls it Hugh Town. <laughs> I'm standing by that. I think it is Hugh Town. Everyone's got it wrong. Just call it what it is. Like when you're looking at the box score, it says H O U. So it's Hugh Town. I know, I know. When we were in Houston a couple of years ago, and you said, "Yeah, uh, it's called Hugh Town." They all wanted me to leave the city because I said, that. "I said, no, it's not Hugh Town. It's H Town." You call yourself an Astros fan? What's Hugh Town? <laughs> that is Relax. true. Uh, the hottest rookies, biggest superstars, the all-time greats, the only place to collect them all. Panini trading cards, official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show for instant classics. Autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, and more. Start to continue your collection now at PaniniAmerica.net. By the way, Super Week on the Dan Patrick Show is brought to you by the great folks at Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Fritzy's been building up a great guest list for next week in Los Angeles. And uh, I know Dak Prescott's going to stop by. Will Farrell's going to stop by. Adam Sandler. Reggie Miller set to join us in studio. It's been a while. Yeah, Reg is uh, set to join us. And then you said that there's a guest on Tuesday. Yes, top of the second hour in studio on Tuesday, February 8th in our L.A. studios. Uh, not a celebrity, but someone we that's... Uh, not a celebrity. Not a celebrity like an actor or an actress, but someone that's uh, a very big fan favorite of the show. We love him, and it's been a long time since we were able to have him on, but 
supposedly he's going to be with us this time around. All right. But he's not a big star. Um, star is a good hint. With using the word star. Star. Star Jones, who used to be a Entertainment Tonight insider. Star is not in the name of the okay. person. Star oh. has to do with the person and his uh, accomplishments. Star. Okay. And his affiliation. Okay. Paulie? I'm going to guess he's the Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman, in studio. Troy Aikman will be joining us in studio on Thursday the 10th. Oh. But you're definitely warmer when you're talking about Troy Aikman and possible teammates. Okay. So Dak Prescott is already going to join us. Got a lot of Cowboys. Prescott's Friday the 11th, Aikman's Thursday the 10th, but this is Tuesday the 8th. Jerry Jones. Oh, good guess. Great guess, but no. Stephen Jones. (laughs) I think you guys know and you're just giving me a hard time. Is it someone that's been on the show before and we've loved having him on and then we were heartbroken to find out that we couldn't have him on? Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders will be a guest on our show also, not him. Okay, yeah, I'm pulling. The playmaker, Michael Irvin. There you go. Okay. There you go. We love Mike. He's Michael a sure Irvin. thing on Super Bowl week. He is going to be with us in the second show. He's going to bring now. some energy. Sure will. All right. All right, Uh, there was a lot of drama surrounding uh, Jim Harbaugh the past couple of weeks, and then it was reported that he would entertain NFL offers. Then he went to Minnesota, interview yesterday, National Signing Day, of course. Um, This came out this morning a couple of minutes ago. Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network, who has done a great job, very underrated. The Vikings met with Jim Harbaugh for nine hours yesterday. But the team didn't make an offer per source. So Harbaugh returns to Ann Arbor. Kevin O'Connell, who's with the Rams, is expected to head to Minnesota to be their next head coach. And I wasn't sure if Harbaugh decided to pass on the job. Now we're getting the information that I think the Vikings passed on Jim Harbaugh. And also there were other reports that Harbaugh went in thinking that It was almost like the Vikings had to pitch him. Now, I don't have any information on this. Uh, I I don't want to talk out of school, but there are reports that that's what happened. He went in and thought, this is a slam dunk. I'm going to get this job. Come on ahead, talk to me. Say nice things about me, and uh, I'll be your head coach. And they probably went in and went, um, all right, Jim, what would you do for us? What, What kind of changes would you make? And I think Jim Harbaugh probably thought, oh, okay, I got to win this job here. Nine hours, and then you get on your plane, you go back home, and you act as if nothing ever happened. It's like Ann Arbor goes, uh, Jim, where have you been? Ah, uh, you know, not doing much, you know. Well, you know, I, I need a little me time and went to Minneapolis. Oh, okay, this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, hey, I'm all in. And then, you know, when a coach signs with a school, they put out a big presentation like, you're one of us, and – now, Twitter has their uh, little moment there, pictures there. And uh, Michigan made it seem like Jim Harbaugh was joining Michigan as a new hire. It's like, go blue. It's like, oh, I liken it. I call it jet blue. He was on the jet and he was leaving <laughs> Michigan. It's like, I'm jetting blue over to Minnesota, be purple. But Harbaugh, like Harbaugh's had four 10-win seasons, and they went to the Final Four this year. He beat Ohio State, and, you know, he was one of the Big Ten's lowest-paid coaches last season. But here's the thing, and I, and I think people look at this and say, well, Jim's earned the right to go talk to an NFL team. 
And I guess he has. I mean, it's really between him and the athletic director or president or chancellor at Michigan. But Jim got his pay cut because he wasn't performing up to the standards that they thought he should be for what he was getting paid. And then he has a great year. And now all of a sudden, you know, Michigan stayed with him. They could have fired him. They stayed with him, took a pay cut. All right, prove yourself again. And he did. He had a wonderful year. But it's not like, boy, Michigan created this because they cut his pay. Well, they could have fired him if they wanted to. But also, I, I still believe if, if the Dolphins weren't involved with what they're involved in right now, that Stephen Ross would probably hire Jim Harbaugh. I truly believe that. But if you're looking at the timing of this, it's horrible. And with what's going on with the Dolphins and Stephen Ross, Stephen Ross says that uh, he promises to cooperate with the league. What if he said, no, I'm not going to cooperate? Of course he's going to cooperate. He's going to defend the integrity of the Miami Dolphins and himself. We'll have more on this after the break because I, I have a couple other things. And I know it's a sensitive subject that Brian Flores and what he's accusing these teams of. But I want to ask you a couple of questions, you the audience, when we come back about this. In, in fairness to the Giants and interviewing and uh, really all teams, all parties, and, and really all business, but it, it's, it feels like what's going on with Miami and incentivizing somebody to lose, I mean, that, they could be, Stephen Ross could be guilty of sports bribery. Because if there's money involved here and you're saying, I want you to lose, you're fixing games. And I think that is what worries the NFL more than anything because billions of dollars, you know, they'll settle a lawsuit maybe with Brian Flores out of court. I don't think it'd ever get to court, but you know, you have an owner who's fixing games or wants you to lose games on purpose. That's a bigger issue for the NFL. And by the way, next week, the commissioner speaks. He has his State of the Union. Like, he has to talk. Once a year, he has to talk. All the media's there. It's, <laughs> it's not like, you know, if this was March, you're not, he doesn't have to say anything. He does his State of the Union. He stands up there, ask me any question you want, and then they're going to ask these questions. That is going to be some interesting TV. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Fritzy has the honors of the poll question today. Let's roll it out. All righty. What Dolphins owner Stephen Ross is accused of doing is tanking like other teams do, is throwing games both. I, I mean, you are asking your coach to tank. But you're instructing someone to lose a sporting event. Isn't that throwing a game? Yes. Or is it still, is it under the tanking tent or the throwing game tent? Are they the same thing? But are you bribing your coach like the mob would bribe players to point shave? Right. All right. Like, what is the difference here? Well, in point shaving, you could still win the game. Like, let's say you're favored by 12. They say win by six. But you're still bribing. Right. 
Well, how about this? There's some stories about the Brian Flores situation that says he was instructed to lose games while they were still playoff eligible. You know, they weren't like out of the playoffs. Mark Cuban told us years ago, once they were not eligible for the playoffs, you do everything you can to help your draft position. That seems more palatable. Stephen Ross promises to cooperate with the NFL and uh, defend the integrity of the Miami Dolphins and himself. So uh, in part, his statement uh, called Brian Flores' lawsuit false, malicious, and defamatory, promising to defend his personal integrity as well as that of the organization. Now, he's saying it's completely untrue. With regards to the allegations being made by Brian Flores, I'm a man of honor and integrity and cannot let them stand without responding. I welcome the investigation. I'm eager eager to defend my personal integrity, the integrity and values of the entire Miami Dolphins organization from these baseless, unfair, disparaging claims. According to Chris Mortensen of the Mothership, the NFL issued a statement after the lawsuit came out saying that uh, Flores' allegations were without merit but they said they're going to investigate. So if it's they're without merit, why are you investigating? Feels like somebody is lying here. Is Brian Flores lying? Is Stephen Ross lying? One is completely lying. It's either did or you didn't. It's not, you know, Stephen Ross could have said this yesterday. Oh, come on, I'm joking around with him. You know, like, hey, come on, why don't you lose some games? I'll pay you, I'll pay it so you could lose some games. Miscommunication took it out of context. He went the other way. So now we're all in. And Brian Flores didn't say, you know what? Maybe I misremembered. Or no, it feels like he's got some information here. He's got some hard information here. And I think if I'm Stephen Ross, if you're the NFL, do you want to find what do you want to find here when you investigate? Because normally when you start an investigation into your own business, your own house, okay, what is the fallout here? If you say, hey, we didn't find anything with Stephen Ross, okay? What if Brian Flores says, um, let me bring in uh, the GM here. We had a conversation about this. Or here's a text message. Here's another person who heard this. Whatever it is. Now all of a sudden, let's say you bet. You were betting on Dolphins games. Can you have class action lawsuits against the Dolphins if they were purposely tanking and you could prove it? Like, it, this is a rabbit hole. If you go down, I mean, who knows what you're going to find? And, you know, do you, do you want to, if you find something, then you're going to have to take away his team. Like, there's a lot of different tentacles attached to this. And we're just starting the investigation there. There's also the other aspect, and uh, I was told by somebody in the NFL, with the NFL yesterday, that yes, the Rooney rule, the hiring practices, you know, it's not a perfect system, but the Stephen Ross situation, far more alarming and damning for the NFL because of the gambling aspect of it. Now, when the Rooney rule came out, established in the early 2000s, The teams were told when interviewing for the head coaching position, a minority applicant must be included. No guidelines about the seriousness of the interview. What if the Giants locked in on Brian Dable, but also said, hey, we got, how many times have you hired somebody? 
and let's say there's 10 people. The third person who comes in, you go, oh, my God, that person blew me, that blew me away. But you still have to interview the other people. Because Human Resources says you have to interview everybody. Well, maybe the Giants locked in on Brian Dable. Right? Plus, you don't want to lose him to some, some other team. Because when Brian Dable, after they blew out the Patriots, Brian Dable, it was reported, could have his pick of jobs. Albert Breer, you know, joined us Monday morning quarterback and said that. But you have to go through the process. If I'm the Giants, I want Brian Dable. I'm going to let Brian Dable know you're going to get the job, but I got to go through the interviewing process. It's not perfect. I get it. It's sensitive. But you're telling somebody not to decide. Like, how can you do that? Hey, don't decide. Well, you're going to fall in love with somebody. And it might be the third candidate, the fifth candidate. Maybe it is the last candidate. And maybe the Giants just made up their mind, but still wanted to go through the process, had to go through the process, and interview Brian Flores. I don't know if there's any rule that can prevent that from you making a decision on hiring somebody. And maybe that's what happened. Now, I don't agree with the Giants when they say, hey, we looked at the resumes and you know we hired the guy who was uh, more qualified. That, to me, is nonsense. Brian Flores three years as a head coach and, you know, was keeping his team in playoff contention. They were winning in spite of an owner who wanted him to tank. By all accounts, a man of principle. And you're telling me, man, Brian Dable can turn out to be a great coach, but don't say he's more qualified. You can just say what we were looking for, we liked. He was the right fit for us. I mean, but Brian Flores... How do we know? Did you really interview him? You know, how serious was that interview? And it's just like the Broncos. If the Broncos had locked in on Vic Fangio, but they still had to do the interview with Brian Flores. And maybe, you know, John Elway and company didn't go in there, you know, with the thought of, let's make this a serious interview. I don't know. Maybe you had to do it. They did it. Maybe they didn't do it in a professional manner. But once again, the Rooney rule, this is what teams were told, that there's no guidelines about the seriousness of the interview. You hope that it's not a faux interview, but there are faux interviews. We've been involved in faux interviews. I was involved in a faux interview. Found out later that somebody was already going to get something. And you're going, okay. But the Rooney rule, the reason why I was put in was because of situations like this, that you just wanted to get an interview. And now, and they extended it to general managers as well. But so there's a lot of things going on here. And I feel bad for Brian Flores because it felt like he was a leading candidate. We were surprised he got fired in Miami. And then the Bears job came up. The Saints job came up. You know, he was mentioned with two or three other jobs. And there's still openings. I think the Texans were going to interview him. But with everything that's going on, there's the Dolphins part of this, and then there's the Rooney rule and labeling the Giants as racist. I, I, don't, I don't know if you can label them racist. Like, they made up their mind with Brian Dable. And Brian Dable does have a great resume.
But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think you got to be like when you when you throw that word around, like, how do you prove that? Now you have to go through all the hirings that you had in the organization or, hey, I'm going to prove to you that we're not this. Like the history of the organization. Like, I don't know how you prove that. And once again, I asked a source yesterday, I said, what does Brian Flores want? And my source said, I don't know. And we did reach out to his people. I didn't want to have his attorney on. I wanted to have Brian on. I thought Mike Greenberg did a great job yesterday on, on the mothership, on Get Up. You know, getting the right questions. I don't, want, I don't want the lawyers in there. I want to talk to you. That's it. One host, let me talk to you. And I thought Greeny did a great job with that. So it's, it's kind of tricky with everything that's going on, proving this. The NFL, do they do a deep dive on this with Stephen Ross? Um, you know, was he really trying to incentivize losing? And, you know, there, there's, there's a lot attached to it. But, you know, the commissioner is going to meet with the media next week in Los Angeles, and there are going to be a lot of questions. And... I don't know. I mean, he might say, well, it's an ongoing investigation. And I can't really talk about it. I mean, there's ways to. Yeah. I've, been, I've been covering sports for 40 years. I know how this works. When somebody doesn't want to tell you something, just blame the legal system. You know, it's an ongoing investigation, and I really can't say anything about it right now. Yeah, Paul. I always want a reporter to come back and say, well, you can. <laughs> there's a mic in front of you You're right now. No one's actually physically keeping you from you. are the commissioner. You're the boss. What a week ahead. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and uh, also Even Money Podcast. You can find him on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. I saw an article in the LA Times and uh, the gist of the article is who has the most pressure on them in the Super Bowl. And the LA Times was saying it's Sean McVay. You buy into that? Yeah, that was going to be my initial reaction. Really? I mean... It's nobody on the Bengals. I mean, it's nobody on the Bengals, obviously. Nobody expected him to be here. I think you could say Matthew Stafford, but he's already won three playoff games. He already got them to the Super Bowl further than Jared Goff did. The only person here who has the ability really to accomplish something that they have missed out on to this point is McVay because not only did they lose that Super Bowl to the Patriots, but they couldn't score. I mean, Dan, he's an offensive genius, whiz, guru. They could not score against the Patriots in that Super Bowl. I don't think there's that much pressure on anybody, to be honest with you. But if there is one person that has the biggest onus on them in this game, it's probably McVay. Let's look at the last couple of days in the NFL. Let me let me start with uh, Jim Harbaugh. What question 
or questions do you have with Harbaugh going back to Michigan? How bad he wants to get back in the NFL. I mean, like, to me, it, it, this makes me laugh, Dan. You know, you see last night, multiple reports, Jim Harbaugh has called Michigan. He wants to come back and be there. And then, like, 15 minutes later, the Vikings are expected to hire Kevin O'Connell as their head coach, <laughs> you know? Like, everybody does this. Yeah. I mean, from now on, anytime the head coach interview, I'm going to call the Ross Tucker podcast and be like, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. As soon as I find out somebody else gets the head job, I'm going to stay going on Dan Patrick every week. Like, give me a break, dude. I you wonder, though, Ross. National signing. Oh, go ahead. I wonder if Harbaugh went there expecting for the Vikings to sell him on the Vikings organization. And it feels like the Vikings said to Jim Harbaugh, we want you to sell yourself to us. And I think you're there for nine hours. I mean, you don't go through nine hours without getting a job. If you're Jim Harbaugh, I'm thinking, but I think he went into that interview and maybe it was like, I'm here, hire me. And Minnesota probably went, nah, it doesn't work that way, Jim. We want to know what you can do for the organization. Well, I think that's possible. At a minimum, he wouldn't go for a nine-hour interview to Minnesota on National Signing Day. And I know it's the second signing day, but still, he wouldn't do that unless he wanted the job. Yeah. I believe he wanted the job. You know, there have been so many rumors for the last few weeks that he really wants to get back to the NFL I don't blame him. Recruiting is 24-7. And what I personally think happened is as soon as he caught wind or his agent caught wind that he wasn't getting the job, he wanted to make it look like he was turning them down. It's not you. You know, it's me. It's not you. That's not the case. I'm pretty confident he wanted the job. And if you're the new GM for the Vikings, do you really want your first hire to be bringing a guy who it ended really poorly the last time because he got into a power struggle with the GM. I mean, this would be a first-time GM. My guy, Quezzy from Princeton, who's younger than me, makes me feel bad about myself, and now he's a GM <laughs> of an NFL team. He didn't want to bring in I, – I wouldn't think you would want to bring in a guy that could lead to a power struggle. I don't think it'll happen with Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, and then I wonder if I'm Stephen Ross – and the timing is horrible, but Stephen Ross didn't want to poach Harbaugh from Michigan. But if he knows that Minnesota is going to poach him from Michigan, then what would stop Stephen Ross from not trying to poach him because Jim wants to go to the NFL? But given the timing of what happened and the Brian Flores stuff, it probably felt like, you know, Jim can't go play for Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross may not have this team in a year with everything that's gone on. What do you make – of uh, the allegations against the Dolphins and their owner. Well, that's the one that jumped out to me the most. You know, all of the Rooney rule coach hiring stuff um, is, of course, a huge topic, but it's one that we broach every offseason. I mean, we talk about that every offseason. It doesn't make it better, and I'd be incredibly frustrated if I was a minority head coach candidate. But what's new this year in this lawsuit, what jumped out to me was the allegations of being incentivized to lose games, which is a major, major problem. I mean, if there's any evidence of that, uh, the NFL is going to come down on him as hard as they ever have. They're going to take I his team away. You think they will? For that where you're, you're fixing games. I mean, it's bribing. It's, 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 
a bribery act. You can't just fine him a million or 10 million or 20 million. That doesn't matter to him. He's throwing games. He wants you to throw games, allegedly, and paying you to do it. You can't let him. He can't stay because he wants to get Joe Burrow. And that's why he was doing this. I can't let him have his team. Yeah. So the thing I always think is interesting about that is, Dan, if that's the case, then are, if, if what Hugh Jackson's saying is accurate, are you getting rid of Haslam and Steven Ross? And if you're one of the 32 owners, or 31, I guess, that makes this decision, are you really comfortable with getting rid of two of those? I mean, those guys don't want to think that there's anything that can get them out of the club. They're in the club. They bought in. My guess, Dan, and you know more than I do, I guess, but I would think it'd be like three first-round picks and $10 million. I think it would be the most severe punishment mm. a team and an owner has ever gotten. I don't know if they're going to kick out two owners of this exclusive club because then the other owners are going to be like, wait a minute, if we can kick out this guy for that and that guy for that, they might come come at me for, for something at some point. Well, I think Cleveland is different because Hugh Jackson didn't get money. He just got his contract extended. Like I think the owner thought, hey, this is a couple of years rebuild and you're doing really well at doing really poorly. And we want to keep you in that job. So they didn't say for each loss, uh, you get $100,000. They're just saying, hey, if you keep losing, we're going to continue to extend your contract. I, now, <laughs> is that semantics? But it, you know, the, the direction is not lose games and you get $100,000. That's the difference. That's where it gets far more severe with Stephen Ross. Yeah, I guess because here's my question, okay? And I tweeted about this this morning at Ross Tucker NFL. Dan, I'm a Sixers fan, okay? Now, I'm not a diehard NBA guy. You know I'm a football guy. But the Sixers essentially lost on purpose for like four years in a row. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting to me that the Browns and the Dolphins are under fire when I don't know, I don't follow it that closely again, but don't, aren't there several NBA teams that essentially lose yes, on purpose the, every year? The Cavs did this for LeBron James. You know, the Rockets did this, uh, for, I think, for Akeem Olajuwon. I mean, this is, this is, this happens. That, that, but why has nobody, why have they know, never gotten in trouble? Like, why has nobody ever, ever nobody ever been an issue? Well, nobody, I guess no, no coach said anything. Well, the Sixers called it the process. <laughs> See, that's the difference. That, that's the difference. It's the process. It's, it's not tanking. You can't say tanking. Mark Cuban used the word tanking, and they got fined $600,000. It's the process there. We're talking to Ross Tucker. His Ross Tucker football podcast is available, uh, well, wherever you can get podcasts, and social media at Ross Tucker NFL. I don't know why Jimbo Fisher isn't just embracing the obvious, and that is we got resources at Texas A&M, and this is a great place to play, and we beat Alabama. We're here. We're for real. But instead, he had this reaction yesterday to the reported slush fund that A&M has that's somewhere between 25 and $30 million for the recruits. There is no $30 million fund. There is no $5 million. There is no 10 This is garbage, and it does. It pisses me off. And here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. Then everybody runs with it. So it's written on the internet as gospel. How irresponsible is that? And then to have coaches 
and our leg and across this leg is say it, clown acts. All right? Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. And the guy's griping about NIL, griping about transfer portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll, trust, I'll take it with any of y'all. It's a joke. It does piss me off. Okay. You know what I would do if, if I'm him? I would say, no, no, it's not 25 or 30 million. It's 50 million we have in a name, image, and likeness slush fund. There's a whole lot more where that came from. Come on down here and play with the Aggies. Well, a couple things, Dan. Number one, uh, what's the line? Methinks he doth protest too much. You know, I think he went a little far there. Secondly, look, I've been around long enough to know. Remember the year when Ole Miss got Laramie Tunsil <laughs> and Laquan Treadwell? And, like, I mean, when a school that isn't a typically a top five recruiting school, and Texas A&M does pretty well usually, but not top five, not number one in the country. When they come out of nowhere to be the number one school, there's usually a reason for that. What I think is unique or different about this is, as far as I know, you're kind of allowed. Now, I read the rule where they say it's not supposed to be an inducement for someone to attend a school. It's supposed to just be money that they earn from their image and likeness while they're actually at the school. But (laughs) this is what I always thought it would turn into. And it has, and I'm happy for the kids. I'm happy that they're getting the money. And this is what I always thought it would be, which is essentially guaranteeing every kid, hey, you'll get at least a hundred grand a year in name, image, and likeness. But I'm the I'm a backup center. We don't care. We need depth. Hundred grand a year, buddy. You're in. <laughs> yeah, they made it legal. And this is, you know, the, the NCAA just wanted to make sure that these kids weren't getting paid money that was going to be for the schools, playoffs, all of that. Hey, we don't want to pay the players, but we'll let you have name, image, and likeness. And no one thought this through, that the schools who have money, willing to spend money, and yes, it's an, it, I'll go there, and you're going to pay me for name, image, and likeness. But how much are you going to pay me for name, image, and likeness? So then it becomes an inducement. Because nobody, there's no salary cap that says, you can only offer them this. Well, legally... I can offer you whatever I want. And so if, if Texas A&M has the money and they're willing to spend the money, like I wouldn't be apologizing. Dan, I was told three years ago uh, by a personnel director at a Power 5 school that the NIL department would end up being bigger than the recruiting department at these schools sooner rather than later. I mean, this is going to be what goes a long way towards determining where these kids go. I don't blame them. You know, who knows if you'll make the NFL or not. They're essentially free agents. The, the part that gets really interesting is that they can all transfer for a year. I'll give you another one, Dan. I've had multiple coaches tell me that, you know why they love the transfer portal? You know why they want to get more transfers? Because you only get to do it without penalty once. You recruit a high school kid to come in, He's a perpetual free agent. You know, you get, you get to transfer one time without sitting out at all. That kid can leave whenever. You get a transfer from somewhere else, he's got to make it work. He, he's he's got to stay there. Otherwise, if he tries to transfer again, unless he's a graduate, he has to sit out a year. So they actually feel like there's a chance for more loyalty from the kid. That, it, it's a, it's a <laughs> – the whole thing has changed. It's wild. 
you played for the Washington Redskins six games, I believe. So I'm curious, the, uh, your old team with the new nickname, you're a commander. Yeah, I guess. I really wanted to be – I, I would have really embraced Warthogs or Red Hogs. I, I wanted something to go back to the Hogs. Mm. Uh, I actually started my career there and finished it there. So I have somewhat of an affinity for them. Not like I do for the Bills where I played the most or whatever. I mean, Commanders reminds me of the Cleveland Indians changing their name to the Guardians. It just seems so uh, – it's such an XFL – type of name to me, the Commanders. (laughs) It's just very generic. I mean, I guess it's fine, Dan. I guess it's safe. But let me ask you this, okay? When someone says to my daughters or says to me, you know, hey, Ross, what teams did you play for? Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, Browns. For the fifth one, am I saying Commanders or am I saying Redskins because I played for the Redskins? Or am I not saying that because that – is obviously offensive to some people. I would and that say, name's no longer around. I would say Washington. But then that sounds weird. Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, <laughs> Browns, and Washington. <laughs> I wanted to say I was a warthog. I think that's all. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't go with the warthogs. I'm still bothered by this. Uh, I know you have a, a new business venture that you wanted to mention here to our audience. Oh, I appreciate that, Dan. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the greatest Valentine's Day gift ever. It's called MyFrontPageStory.com. Everybody just gets flowers or chocolates or a gift card to a spa. When they open it, Dan, it literally looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's a framed newspaper cover story with the picture of your wife, the family. She'll be like, what is this? You're Wait, like, honey. My wife? Anybody's wife. Oh, okay. whoever, whoever you get the story for you, I, I'm assuming you would get it for your wife for Valentine's Day. So it's a picture of your wife, maybe your kids and your wife's like, Dan, what is this? And you're like, honey, I want to do something special and unique. I care. I had a story written about you. I get way too much pub. I get way too much attention as Dan Patrick. The story, the cover story should be about you. And then when she reads the quotes, Dan, and by the way, I've heard you talk about this, like on my buddy Kyle Brandt's podcast, when she reads the quotes about I just never tell her enough how much I appreciate all the little things she does. She will cry. Like your wife, anybody's wife. Fritzy, Fritzy's probably going to get his wife, uh, you know, a gift card to the Olive Garden again. Fritzy, it's 12 <laughs> years in a row, an Olive Garden gift What's card. What's wrong with that? Get her I'm a story from myfrontpagestory.com. Well, Todd has limericks, and he writes his wife a limerick. Not as good as this. Well, maybe not. Trust me. You know, I was just saying to the guys the other day, when I think of love, I think of Ross Tucker and nothing else. <laughs> so I would like to get a picture of you, and then I would be able to present that to my wife. That would be awesome. I'm sure I'm sure she would love that. You got any, uh, like, scantily clad? Your shirt um, off? Probably back in college. <laughs> does, she want, does she want to see like 310 pounds? Yeah, full baby. Force? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. The only pictures I have with my shirt off are like at a keg party in the summer when I was in college. I'm actually, I actually think for 310, I looked all right. I was pretty tan. Not too bad. But you know, here's the thing, Dan. I don't know about your wife. 
a lot of women are not into that. <laughs> like when I was in college and I would go to a party, okay, you could tell right away. I mean, I was 315 pounds. Girls either like that or they don't, and there's no in between, and you know right away. Most girls are not like blow drying their hair, hoping to meet a, the perfect 315 pound guy that night. <laughs> Okay, well, it doesn't work that way. If you had been able to get into Notre Dame, then they might have cared. But you went to Princeton. Those those yeah. women don't care about football at Princeton. So that is a fact. Okay, <laughs> that it does not. It doesn't help you to be a Princeton football player at Princeton. But I would go visit like my buddies at Penn State. And they'd be like, are you a football player? And I'd be like, you're darn right I am. I didn't say it wasn't a Penn State. I just said, you're darn right. And it worked every time. Every time. If I could do, if I could do college over again, I would go to one of those. That would be uh, – Princeton was amazing. I'm glad I had that experience. But, man, I'll go to Texas A&M, get the money and, and the girls. Thank you, Ross. Good to talk to you See again. You then.